Rick is teaching from Luke 1, 26 through 38 this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Some jokes you've been working on all week. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, this opportunity for us to gather together and study your word and hear from you, Father. I pray you would, um, you would connect with our hearts and connect with our minds today, Father. Free us from distraction. Free us from the plans of the afternoon and allow us just to spend some time thinking about you and your word uh, this morning. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Um, so not only does we're talking about Christmas stuff, it, it kind of feels like Christmas out there today. Cold. I don't understand. Um, one thing I want to draw your attention to, there, there's um, prayer request cards that we're, we've started this morning. There, there's some on both of the communion tables and there's some on a welcome table back there. If you have something that's going on in your world, in your life that you want uh, the deacons and elders to pray about, fill this out and put it in the offering plate during uh, response time, and we'll distribute those. And uh, we're also beginning a new prayer initiative between the elders and the deacons, beginning to, to pray for everybody as a part of North Church. So know this, that one, you're being prayed for whether you fill one of these cards out or not. And then, but if you do, you have something specific to pray for, uh, to ask us to pray for you about, feel free to, to write that there. Um, and, and they're at the, the communion tables for a very specific purpose. Um, because we want you at the end of service during response time to come to these tables and engage with God who wants to engage with you. And one of the ways that we've been given to engage with God is, is to pray, but also to pray in community. So um, it's, it's intended for us not just to, to hand one of these to somebody, but, but to, to put them in the offering plate. And there's also a, a box that's back there that you can put them in as well. Um, but we want to begin to, to pray consistently and pray specifically uh, for everyone that, that kind of comes to North Church. Um, today we're talking about grace. I want you to try to get past the, the Christmas-like nature of this uh, set of verses and really instead center in on on what God is speaking here. And I think the biggest thing that God is speaking here is is grace and there's 
Um, when I was in, in seminary, we learned this, this idea of practical theology. A lot of times we think of theology as like seminary, like top shelf stuff, like this is theology is something that, that other people study, but practical theology is something about God, a study about God that meets us in a very practical, tangible way. And this is, uh, this is one of those times. There is um, some practical theology that's here, uh, and, and we'll, we'll understand that grace is not just turning you from a sinner into a saint, though it does that. Grace also changes you at the innermost core place of who you are, and prepares you and equips you for things that God has called you to do. So let's, uh, let's look at, at the first few verses here. And we're going to stop on verse 28 and spend most of our time this morning on verse 28 in, a, in one particular word that's there um, that's incredible. I've studied this passage several times, many, many times, 20, 30 times, but I've never seen the depth of the word we're going to study in verse 28. But before we get there, verse 26 and 27, again, this is, the series is witness, and we've got this typewriter up here because Luke is, is writing this, he's organized all the thoughts about what happened in Jesus' life to proclaim them to a generation after Christ is gone. And so Luke is actually from this same generation. So Luke is writing to a generation, from a generation, one generation removed from Jesus. So he is, um, very much like a, a, a reporter that has seen events that have happened or, or heard about things that have happened and researching them and telling them. So most of the time, he will show this from the perspective of one witness. And today, this witness is Mary. And he gives a bunch of information in the first two verses here. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. And very important, talking about an angel. An angel is a messenger that is sent from God. So The messenger of God has come to speak something to Mary to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth is a completely inconsequential town. Uh, One town in in our generation, if you just kind of drive through it, maybe they have a stoplight in their town. This is is Nazareth. There's nothing significant about the town of Nazareth. It's completely inconsequential. And it's interesting that he names this town Nazareth in verse 27 to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Betrothed, by the way, I've said this, I think, one time back, back this past Christmas. What betrothed means in this context is this is a legally binding document that if you wanted to get out of your betrothal, for us it would be an engagement. Uh, somebody is engaged. We've got a, a young engaged couple here. Um, but for them, betrothed is more than just engaged. There's a legally binding document that the parents of both of the parties have entered into, and it's a legal document. And if you wanted to get out of your, get out of your betrothal, you would have to go through a legal proceeding of divorce to get out of the betrothal. So this is what's happening between Mary and Joseph. They've been, they're in a legally binding contract that where there was a ceremony that took place. Later, the marriage ceremony will take place. It's more of a spiritual act. The betrothal is more of a legal act. So Mary, living in a city in Galilee named Nazareth, there's a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That's very important, the house of David. This is, um, so between the life of David to the exile where God's people were sent away from their land to be sporadically uh, strewn about the, the area was 14 generations. From 14 generations, from David to the exile, and then from the exile to Jesus is another 14 generations, all from the line of David. And it's important 
to, that Luke notes that this is from the line of David because there is um, uh, the people of Israel would have seen David as, as a hero uh, politically, a hero militarily, and a hero economically. This is a really big deal. So they trace things back to David. And it's interesting here that David has gone in 28 generations, 14 from, from David to the exile and from the exile to Jesus, 28 generations to go from the most powerful man in the world to living in an inconsequential rural place where poverty is, is there. I find that kind of interesting. The 28 generations removed, they go from the most powerful man in the world to uh, almost nothing. Um, then there's also been 400 years where God has been silent before Zechariah got the visit from the, the angel last week that we talked about, and Mary gets this visit from Gabriel this week. Now, verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. This is the, the central theme of where we'll go, where we'll land this morning, and we're going to land on this word favored. Um, every time that I've come to this passage... My immediate reaction is to think that there was something about Mary that, now I'm giggling because I just said something about Mary. Uh, there's, there's, please don't let me digress. Um, every time I come to this passage, I, I've thought that there was something about Mary that caused me to, or that caused the angel to go to her. Like she's somebody that's really special. And the angel had gone to her because she's special. And when I, when I see this passage, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. That, that makes me think she is the favored one. The Lord is with you. Um, but there's something different about this word. And before we dig in, I want to bring this, this quote from Brennan Manning uh, in his book, Ragamuffin Gospel. He says, Our spirituality often starts with self, not God. The emphasis is on what I do rather than what God is doing. And I think it's a, it's a mirror. This quote and my understanding of this verse before this week is a mirror held up to my face that I'm just like this. Because I think there's something special about this woman that has drawn God to her. But it's just not the case. This word, this word favored is the Greek word harituo, and it means to be graced, to make graceful. Um, does anybody remember the, the Billie Jean video, Michael Jackson's Billie Jean video? You guys remember it? And like he's walking along the, the street, the windy street with kind of the leaves flowing everywhere, and every time he steps on a piece of pavement, that piece of pavement, what happens to it? It lights up. Right. And this, that, all this week I've been thinking about how can I illustrate what graced means, what this harituo means, what does it mean to be favored? And that's, that's here, that, in, in that Billie Jean video. So it's God stepping on a piece of pavement and then that pavement lighting up. There's nothing about Mary, listen, there's nothing about Mary that causes her to be favored other than God chose to favor her. She has been graced. Think about, like there's, 
she's inconsequential. She's a teenager, and she's in the middle of, of nowhere, and God has come and graced her. So when we see blessed Mary or O favored one, when we see that phrase, O favored one, it's nothing previous to Mary that caused her. There's nothing in Mary to be favored. Mary is favored because of this encounter. She is made to be favored. Um, God, here's something that, that I, I've always thought about this passage, that God is drawing something out of Mary that she didn't know was there. Let me say that again. I've always thought that God is drawing something out of Mary that Mary didn't know was there. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. That's not what happened here. What happened here was God is putting something in Mary that causes her to be blessed, to be favored. And it's, it's an incredible thought to think that what was not now is. You follow that? For Mary, what was not now is. What was not a minute and a half before this encounter, there was nothing in Mary. And now there is something in Mary. This is what it means to be graced. This is not just what it means to be graced, but this is the power of grace. I said at the beginning that we think oftentimes our, our quick reaction is grace is something that saves me from my sin. It is. But there's more to it than that. Grace not only saves you from your sin, it sends you on mission with a purpose. Um, when I was in seminary, I took two classes from an adjunct professor who was a pastor at First Baptist Church of St. John here in town, and his name was Keith Snyder. And we were, the, the second class that I had I'd taken from him, it was a, an evangelism class, and we were writing papers every week, and like this five, or, five to ten page paper I was writing every week, and, and I wrote this one paper to him, and he gave it back to me, we're reading every Monday, uh, he gave it back to me one Monday, and on the paper it said, keep pressing into the gospel, you are, go-, and he wrote you in all caps, you are going to do something great for the kingdom of God. And I got that and it like lit me up. Like I was really excited. Like, and it was, wow, this is incredible. This man who is, a, who is brilliant and, and is like, I have a lot of respect for him. He said that to me. And I had this underinflated opinion of myself, of, of who I was and who I could be and, and all of that. But he writes this. And then somewhere, this was on Monday when I read this, when he gave me the paper back, somewhere during the course of that week, I thought to myself, like, it's his job to do that, to, to excite people, to, to encourage people. And, and I feel like he wrote that on everyone's paper. And then uh, the next week he comes in and hands us the paper that we'd written the previous week. And he's graded and gives it back to us. And he stops and he looks me in the eye and he said, what I wrote on your paper last week, I've never written on a paper before. And I was like, like, I didn't pay attention to the whole class period. I was like, Wow. That's incredible. Um, and then, like a month later, the class is over, and I find out um, through, I don't know how I found out, but that he had developed a really aggressive cancer. And I, I thought to myself that this is what he said to me and the impact that it made on me and, and the difference that he made with one with one sentence that he wrote, and then one look in the eye that he made to me, um, 
And then a few months later, he's, he's diagnosed with this really aggressive form of cancer. He has to, to step down from his position as pastor. And then like six months later, he was gone. Um, so like seven or eight months before he, he died, he said this to me. And it's just like it still rings in my head. I can still see his eyes looking at me and, and saying what he said to me. Um, and that's what Keith Snyder said to me is very similar to what God has said to Mary. You are favored. And the, I said what I said about, I read the, the piece of paper, and then I, I decided that he said that to everybody, and there was really nothing special. And, and when I said that, because it's the, there is really nothing special about me. There's nothing special about Mary. There's nothing special about any of us apart from the grace that God places in us. And God uses people, he uses angels and he uses people to be grace, to grace us. And, and I want you to, to fully understand that there's what, whoever in the, this world that you highlight, that you look up to, that you want to be mentored by, you wanna, whoever you want your Keith Snyder to be, Whoever you want your Gabriel to be, like they have been sent by God to speak grace to you, and you can be that to someone else in their world. Um, I was graced. Mary was grace. Um, another thing I found this week is that this word harituo to be graced used, is used one other time in Scripture in Ephesians one six. Um, little background about Ephesians. All of Ephesians, and in particular Ephesians 1, uh, Paul is writing to a church in a city called Ephesus. And Ephesus is it's a very new church, hasn't been around a long time. Paul started the church and appointed elders of the church and invested in the elders of the church. And has, um, there is, it's a very strategic church in a very strategic geographic area, in a very strategic uh, social area. And, and who makes up the church? There's a big widespread demographically of of rich and poor, um, Jew and Greek, uh, and, and lots of different Gentiles and Jews that make up this church. So it's a very diverse place. And Paul writes the book of Ephesians to this church in this influential time and place. And the first chapter he spends talking specifically and only about who they are because of what Jesus has done. And that's where we find our verses. So let's, I'm going to read the, the context here. And it'll be on the screen as well, the context of, of this one verse. And we're looking for the word harituo in Ephesians 1, 6. But starting in verse 3, Blessed, and that's not the, the same word, be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. That's also not the same word. Those are a typical blessing that we would see, we would think about in our worlds. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So we sing a lot of stuff to, to say this in verse 6. God has done a lot of really cool things, and he chose you. He, he made you holy and blameless. He adopted you, all these things, and he decided from the beginning of time. All that stuff from, is verse 3 through 5. But then verse 6 is kind of the hinge from which everything flows and our word shows up. We, he, because of our adoption, he has changed us 
to the praise of his glorious grace, meaning you're just a commercial for his grace, with which he has blessed us, and there's our word, blessed, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God's plan, God's purpose, the way that God decided to be and, and spread his message was that you might become adopted as sons, and because you've been adopted as sons, that you would be a, a commercial for his grace that he's given to you, that he's graced you with. He has touched you. Think of, it might be, be silly, but think of Michael Jackson in the Billie Jean video stepping on the pavement and it lighting up. That's what's happened to you. There's nothing about you. It's just concrete. Nothing about you. But when God steps on you, God graces you, God owes you, you have been changed. And not just so that you can have relationship with him, but you've been changed so that you can go and be God's grace to the world. So not only have you been graced, but you've been graced so you can go grace. Your role in this world is to go gracing people. I'm making up words left and right. But it's the, but like, I hope that it communicates to you the purpose of grace is to, one, save your soul from eternity in hell and bring you relationship with, with a holy and perfect God. Grace does that for you. It gives you your ticket to heaven. But more than that, what grace does, when God taps you on the shoulder, and when he taps you on the shoulder, you are literally changed. You are sent to go and be something great. Think about Mary. Think about Mary. Inconsequential teenage girl not married, a virgin, and God sends Gabriel to tap her on the shoulder and says, you are now graced. What was not, now is. And this is what, and it's not just, I I bring up the Ephesians passage, and I love that it's only used twice in Scripture, once for Mary and once for the Ephesian church. It's, It's not just Mary that gets this grace. It's, it's every person who has been encountered with the grace of God has been graced. He's put his grace on you and lights you up and sends you to go about gracing in this world. For Mary, being graced meant Jesus coming to the earth. Imagine, I, I, thought, I talked with, with my wife about this the other night. We uh, were on a date Friday night thinking and talking about this idea of Mary being graced. And think about like, what it would, what must have been like to be the mother of Jesus. And like, we, can, we can think about the silly thing. Did he, did he ever have to tell him to like, do dishes or make his bed or, or whatever? Or don't hang out with those people or, or you know, make sure, you know, like you, none of those worries. Like, that's fun to, to think about. But, but there's, there's more the, the, the pride, the good kind of pride that had to be in Mary of her son. Think about those things. And, and to be graced was to get to be the, father, the, the mother of Jesus. It's incredible. And it, it gave her mission. It gave her purpose. It gave her direction. It gave her motivation to go and be who God has called her to be. And I hope that this gives us those things, mission, purpose, direction, motivation for God to send us to where he's called us to be, for the Ephesians to be graced and 
the next chapter in Ephesians, after he talks about this, you have been blessed by God, you've been graced by God, he goes and sins like the rest of it. Chapter 2 is talking about the gospel, and then the end of chapter 2 is talking about breaking down the walls of hostility between two people that are hostile with each other. Imagine if God in his infinite plan and mercy and, and grace decided that it was, would be a good thing to create this church and I'm talking about this church, this time and this place, these people, this message, that God would send us out into our communities where there's disunity and disharmony everywhere. That God would bring us to this time and this place to hear this message that you have been graced to go and bring unity and mission to this world. Like that's exciting and incredible that God would use this few small group of people to go and grace this world. Just like Keith Snyder did for me. For the Ephesians, being grace meant unity and mission for us. It can mean unity and mission. Um, He has reached out from heaven to grace you. and, and, And please... This is not some far-off and ethereal, random, vague notion. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are fully graced. Fully capable of everything that's ever been done in Scripture. Every great act of God that's happened in Scripture has happened by some human being who was graced just like you've been graced. There's nothing holding you back except the the one enemy that you have. And his name is Satan, and he has one weapon to get you to believe something that's not true. And the truth of the matter is that you have everything that is necessary to go and grace this world. He has reached out to bring about reconciliation to everyone to the gay, to the straight, to the black, to the white, to the rich, to the poor, to the Republican, to the Democrat. All of this. God is calling us to go in grace and bring unity and mission to each of them. God is pursuing you. And what is Mary's response? Mary's response is in verse 38. We're almost done. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Three quick things I want to say about verse 38. Mary says, I will do what you tell me to do. This is a dangerous place because we are filled with sin and we're self-centered people. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Um, Many times we say, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Many times what we really mean is, behold, I'm a servant of me. And we like to say to the people around us, God has called me to, no, you just want to do that. Be careful. Because this message is very, Mary had a very specific thing said to her, that she's been graced to go and do this thing. And we can decide very easily that God has called me to go and do this. Be careful. 
Mary is a servant of the Lord who had heard from the Lord to go and do something. Um, and she says, I'm a, I'm a servant of the Lord. And this is a good test for us to understand what God has called us to do. Is it serving someone? Is it serving God or is it serving me? And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. When God calls us to something, it every time matches up with who his word, who the Bible says that he is. If it's not, then you probably are, are creating something from yourself. And then uh, she says, let it be. Um, I want us, our response to this message, to God saying grace, is for us to understand that we are the servants of the Lord and God has sent us. And then our response is just let it be, let it happen, relax, let it happen. Um, let's, uh, let's just pray. I would, I just, let's just pray here. God, uh, thank you for your grace. And Lord, I pray in these moments of response, Father, I pray for opportunities for us to encounter you, Lord. God, I thank you for the people that are in this room and how you have shaped and molded their lives to get them here, Father. I thank you for the influence you've allowed them to have. I thank you for the gifts that you've given to them. Lord, I pray now that you would deal with us intimately and be with us intimately. Lord, and and you might send us having been graced to go into our worlds, gracing our worlds, Father. Lord, I pray you would give us very specific tasks and purposes, even in this time, Father. God, I pray for these few minutes of response time, Lord, that we would not respond as, as we always do with habits, Lord, but instead wrestle with you and what you're calling us to do, Father. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that are around us of people to engage with you, Father. Lord, send us out as a people on mission to go and grace your world. Deal specifically with us today. Thank you so much for Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. God, guide us through this response time. God, allow us to honestly say in these moments that we are your servants. Let it be according to your word. God, now we rest and we wait and we listen. Lord, please speak in these moments.
by the power of your son's name that I pray. Amen.